right. How's it going, everybody? How's it going? We good? Um, can we just, for a second, thank you very much. Can we uh, give it up for Dave and the band for leading us in worship and song and all of that? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I'm not Pastor Brent. I know, I'm a little shorter. He's probably up here, right? Somewhere around there. Um, but uh, he, he gave me a, a text message yesterday morning and uh, said, hey, hey, bro, I, um, I, have a weird, <laughs> I have a weird proposition for you. Uh, I'm not feeling too well, and I probably shouldn't come to church. You want to come instead? <laughs> and I said, well, let me talk to my wife and uh, my, uh, my kids. And, and we, um, we were like, yeah, let's do this. And so uh, for those of you who do not know me, uh, my wife and I are the what we call the Gen Now Pastors of the Oregon Ministry Network, which basically means that we have the honor and privilege of resourcing, discipling uh, youth and children's pastors across our state, 180 churches in the Oregon Ministry Network of the Assemblies of God. And so uh, my wife and I were on staff at Hope Church in Albany, uh, which was Albany First Assembly for a number of years. We changed the name. Uh, for nine and a half years, we were on staff there and uh, had, the, had the privilege of, of doing that, still, still attend that church even though we are no longer on staff there. And so for those who are streaming, I want to give a shout out as well, who are, who are streaming on and watching online. Thank you for tuning in and allowing us to invade your space, uh, your sacred space. It's an honor. It's a privilege to be here with all of you uh, this morning, surely praying for Pastor Brent and Hosanna and the boys and that he gets back on his feet quickly. And y'all need to know that I love your pastors. I love the Wagners. I love your team. I love your staff. Um, I've known Brent for, whoa, I've known Brent for uh, probably about 12 years now. My wife actually went to college the same time as he and Hosanna down Vanguard University. So my wife and Brent, they, they've known each other actually longer than I've known my wife. So we go way back. We have history and I just love this church. I love you guys. And I'm honored to be here. I honor your pastor. I honor uh, you today in this, this beacon of light and hope in the middle of a city that desperately needs Jesus. Desperately needs Jesus. May we be a beacon of hope here in Springfield and the surrounding area. I brought a picture of my family, actually. And so um, if you want to flash that one up. Um, I, you know, I always get nervous because uh, like any guys, we know this. We rotate through like what we wear. You know, I'm not going to buy a new outfit thing or whatever every, not even every year. Uh, you know what I mean? I, and I was like, dang, what was I wearing in the pictures? Because I feel like it was pretty similar, but I'm good. And I had no idea until this moment. So real time right now. Uh, this is my, my wife, Ashley, uh, and then my three kids. My oldest son on his tippy toes here on the left is Micah. Uh, my youngest son is Canaan lifting his shirt. I don't know. Anyway. And then uh, my princess, Kinsley uh, Jaylene, she's perfect. Uh, she was born in September of 2020. So a COVID baby there. And um, I bought a shotgun in November. So that's, I don't know if that's PC, but it's actually true. <laughs> so, uh, but I want to go duck hunting. Okay. That's why. Um, anyway, anyway. Any of you examine your life over the last uh, 24 months or so, uh, last couple years, and you kind of just feel, there's a lot of things, but maybe you feel a little stuck. 
Maybe you feel a little stuck. Uh, feel like you're kind of maybe spinning your wheels or maybe you're just at, I don't know what's going to happen. A lot of uncertainty kind of things seem a little out of control uh, lately. Uh, I'd like for you to take a look at and do a quick examination. And uh, have you said or felt this way in any uh, in the last 24 uh, months? I got a, a list of stuck talk here. I'm afraid. There are too many obstacles what, with whatever the situation might be. We, we have irreconcilable differences. The cost is too great. Trying hurts too much. I've, I've felt that a little bit the last uh, 18 to 24 months. I don't have the strength. I know I will fail. I'm so tired. I've lost all hope. How many of you are tired this morning? Maybe... Not all of us, but some of us, yeah. Several months ago, uh, my lead pastor in, at Hope Church in Albany, Pastor Mark Robinson, gave our church a bunch of reasons why we get stuck, why we might end up here talking or, or on the road to these types of feelings and talking these types of ways. Um, he gave our church a bunch of reasons and a few of uh, the reasons why we might get stuck uh, popped out to me with specifics uh, pertaining to today's teaching theme, which is to love deeply or loving deeply. And so the issues of apathy, fear of people, and fear of failure stood out to me when we were talking about getting stuck or why we get there or what happens on the road. How does it, how do we get to that place? Apathy, fear of people, and fear of failure. When I look at this list and examine my own life and thoughts, these three things, I recognize a potential lack of an understanding of the love of Jesus. And I've followed Jesus for a long time. I look at this and I say, man, I've, I've felt some of these things, especially recently. I feel the tension even within our culture. I feel the apathy. I feel the fear of failure. And I recognize when I see that list that I, at some point in the journey, I'm lacking an understanding of the love of Jesus. That often when I operate day in and day out from a posture of fear and or apathy, I've forgotten my position with Father God. My position. The disciple of Jesus and Apostle John he states it well in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 through 19. He states this. He says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Now, in my Bible, which I forgot at my house this morning, darn it. Beside this verse, I have these uh, words written. And I'm glad I wrote them in my notes. Rest in his love. Be afraid of nothing else. In other words, only when I am growing in my understanding of Jesus' love, only when I am immersing myself in his grace, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness of God, drowning myself in the vast sea of his deep and wide care and affection toward me and all of humanity, will I truly be able to love then deeply my friends, my neighbors, my family, those I interact with daily, those I don't see eye to eye with on certain issues 
or topics or themes, my enemies and those who even do wrong to me, to people I love, to people I care about without fear or duplicity. However, I got to be honest, the love we see demonstrated throughout the scriptures, especially in the life of Christ, is not only difficult to comprehend as humans, I find it difficult to, to accept and live out of daily. In reading through the life of Jesus, we get a sense of that his first followers were a little clueless of his love as well. And I'm so glad that the Bible doesn't like make everything rosy and frolicking through the woods like. I know there's a visual for you. I'm glad that the Bible, the scriptures are real and I can relate to them. Especially the book of Mark. His, his uh, account of the life of Jesus. Probably because he interviewed Peter and Peter was really hard on himself and everybody else. If you read about Peter. I look at these and I say, wow, I am there with you on this. If you have a Bible, whether it's physical or digital or whatever it might be, I invite you to go to John chapter 13. Just get to John chapter 13. Those who are streaming, those who are watching online. John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. 31 through 35, John 13. I'm going to be reading out of um, the English Standard Version today. Um, the English Standard Version of, of the Bible. If you're there in the house, I'd love for you to say, I'm there. Okay, and we'll be on the screen as well, just in case. But it says this. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. I wish we could just spend like an hour talking about glory. But I don't want to take you all the way to lunch. So, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let's go ahead and pray. Holy Spirit, would you disrupt us in the most beautiful, healthy ways? May we know your presence today. Amen. Amen. It was about 9 p.m., and we were wrapping up things at our youth group in Albany when Ashley, my wife, wasn't feeling too awesome. She looks at me. She says, babe, this is it. Micah is coming. Four hours and 41 minutes later, my oldest son had arrived. Had arrived. And holding my firstborn is an indescribable experience that only happens once. I tell my son all the time, you are the only firstborn in our family. No one else can have that role. It's indescribable. How do I give a framework? How do I demonstrate for my kids the unexplainable? Right, parents, you get this. You understand this. How do I do that? What, uh, what we run into here in the middle of 
uh, John's account on Jesus' life is the beginning of his farewell discourse and, in, and instruction to his disciples, or I like to call them his first followers, which mirrors other farewell teachings in the ancient world. It's similar, if you wanted to do some extra study, it's similar to that of Moses's in uh, Deuteronomy's chapters 31 through 30, 33. So in Deuteronomy chapters 31 through 33, very similar, but there are some obvious differences. However, it's important to note that Jesus is intentionally setting up the future of his first disciples. He's preparing them for launch. You go all the way through to the high priestly prayer in uh, John 17, and then, and then we go to the cross. So he's setting his disciples up for launch, and everyone that would come thereafter. So let's think about this for a second this morning. What, when you and I participate in the obedience of what King Jesus has laid before us in his farewell discourse and in other areas, not just in these chapters, but, but throughout scripture, we are tethered to the ancients. Think about that for a second. We are tethered to the ancients. Every time we sit down at table and commune with someone over a meal or a coffee. Every time we are generous with our time and our resources, we are generous with, uh, with who we are and our lives. Every time we gather in a large corporate gathering like this or a smaller one, like a, a small group or a grow group or a life group, we, when, when I choose to forgive, ooh, this is a good one. When I choose to forgive in the name of Jesus, when I choose to serve on behalf of him and his kingdom, when I choose to preserve unity, which is talked about, and fight for what is good and right and true as demonstrated by King Jesus, when I choose to pay attention to the Holy Spirit and his whispering and his instructions, this is what has marked followers of Jesus for thousands of years. Thousands of years. It was about 10 years ago, maybe 11 now or so. And I'll never forget the young man sitting on the end of the second row in our youth center. He's sitting on the, the end. He was about right here to me. And uh, it was his first time stepping foot into a youth ministry. He was unfamiliar with church, didn't have a background in it at all. But some of our our students had been inviting him and inviting him, inviting him, and he finally came. And it was a question and response time at the end of my teaching, toward the end of our gathering. And he raises his hand. Remember, first time. He doesn't, he doesn't know much about youth group or anything. He says, Pishon, as I'm affectionately known as. Pishon, peace standing for pastor. Is Jesus' love and forgiveness for someone like me? He paused. Everyone quieted down. I've done so many things I am not proud of. He was probably 17 years old. Does Jesus love someone like me? Can he? Now, although we're flawed and fall short of properly and fully representing King Jesus by how we treat one another, through our actions and our words, as followers of Jesus, we have the privilege of imaging his love, of demonstrating his love to a world that knows little about 
his depths. I'd like to briefly break this chunk of scripture down into three phrases. There's so much here. And really, it's a very, very small part of a whole discourse. One of the longest times Jesus talks monologues, okay, right here in in the four uh, gospel accounts of his life is right here, 13 through 17. But I just want to take three uh, phrases from these few verses, and then we'll end with three practical, what we'll call liturgies or rhythms to experience and be reminded of the love of Christ. Okay, so first... The first phrase is son of man, son of man. Um, We don't have time to do a deep dive on this powerful little phrase. And I I know you don't want to be here all day. You are welcome ahead of time. But a couple of good resources for you to check out is um, Jesus, a very short introduction by Richard Bauckham. I think I have a slide for that. I might not. I, I can't remember what I did. Uh, if I put a slide in there for that. Oh, oh cool. Yes, thank you. Um, Jesus, a very short introduction by Richard Bauckham. It's a little heavy, but it, anybody can read it. Anyone can read it. And then God is by Mark Jones. is uh, all about the attributes and characteristics of God. But, um, but those are a couple good resources for you. So, but basically, when Jesus refers to himself in this way, son of man, it is a term of authority and deity. Okay. Two quick incidences for you. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus walks into the synagogue of his hometown of Nazareth, which is a a customary thing for all rabbis to do. Whenever you come into a town, you always go first to the synagogue if you're a rabbi. Okay, so he then, he walks into, this is such a cool story. Um, How many of you have watched, uh, what's what's the story on Jesus' life in the Gospels? The Chosen, thank you, thank you. The Chosen does a really great job of this scene in Luke 4. I don't remember what episode it is. I'm not an advertisement for The Chosen, but it was really good. Okay, he, he grabs the scroll. So Jesus walks in, then he grabs the scroll as expected and begins to read a prophecy about what God will one day do in and through the nation and people of Israel. Okay, how many of you guys have heard this scene? So, so or read it, um, he finishes the reading, goes in, sits down. I imagine him rolling the scroll up, putting it back, or just uh, setting it down. Goes and sits down, crosses his legs with his new socks, and proclaims that he is the fulfillment of the prophecy. On this day, it is done. Is what he says so, in so many words. Now, back up to Mark chapter 2 and 3, where Jesus is healing people. On the Sabbath. You know what's really great? You see Jesus healing people a lot on the Sabbath. There's something about rest and restoration on the celebration of the Sabbath. That was, I didn't have that in my notes. Anyway, Mark chapter 2 and 3. He's healing people again on the Sabbath. The religious leaders of the time continually challenge him on this. And his response is this. The Sabbath is made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now in both incidences, people are outraged and stirred up because only creator God, Yahweh, father God, creator God, most holy God can make claims and do what Jesus is claiming and doing. So as Jesus begins his launch discourse 
with his first followers, he reminds them of who he is and the authority that he has that he passes along to his church. Second phrase, versus son of man. Second is a new commandment. A new commandment. A new commandment I give you. So, so Jesus demonstrates his authority and role, giving himself the position to instruct and command. Okay? And what is that commandment? During this lifetime, uh, and, and even in our day, we can see three main ways or rules, if you will, of living life. And then one which supersedes all of them. Uh, you have, you have uh, the silver rule. You have the sil- silver rule. Do unto others as they do to you. Eye for an eye. Eye for an eye. I talk to my children about this all the time. My son just, I think it was yesterday. It might have been Friday. It might have been every day the last week and a half. He hits his sister. I look and he's hit his sister, which is not cool because that's princess and dads of girls know. Okay. Um, and I correct him. He says, but she started it. So he inevitably, eye for an eye. Maybe he'll even one up it and shove her down. Okay. You do unto others as they do to you. Good or bad. Golden rule. We know this. Jesus quotes it. Do unto others what you would do to you. Okay. How would you treat yourself? Treat, treat others the way you would want to be treated. Right. The platinum rule. This is our culture today. Do unto others what they do unto themselves. It's so our culture that if you don't think and do as everyone else thinks and does, there are all kinds of labels and categories I'm going to put you in. Right? This is our culture today. This is, this is as old as humanity, you guys. This isn't new. Then there's the titanium rule or the Jesus rule. Okay? The Jesus rule. A new command I give to you, love one another and do unto one another as I have done, as I have done to you. So when I look at this in context, two questions come up. What had Jesus just done? And what will Jesus do? Think about this for a second. Jesus, the son of man, has a position of authority, has just taken the role of a slave a young household servant, and washed his disciples' feet. On top of that, in just a few short days, he will lay down his life for all of humanity. So the question I have for myself every time I read this passage, and for all of us, is simple. What do we need to lay down for one another? What preferences... What ideologies, what, what do I need to lay, what do I need to sacrifice? Don't scoot past this too quickly. Allow it to stick in. In this current cultural moment, we have been graced to be in. How can I demonstrate the love of my king by laying down for my brother and my sister? Which leads to the third phrase. By this, all people will know. All people will know. This is, uh, this is countercultural, if you will, if we really look into this in context. This is not necessarily normal. The love we have for one another is not supposed to just stay in our little tribe or our, or our group. 
Okay, we, we look across culture, we see tribalism, which is ripping our nation apart. Okay, it's not just here. It doesn't just stay in the huddle. We huddle, absolutely, but then we break, right? Football terminology or whatever. Okay, to privatize a walk with Jesus is contradictory in essence and antithetical to how it looks daily to love deeply. It cannot just stay with us or me or my family or my small group. The word all people literally means everybody. (laughs) Everybody. People you don't like, people you do like, people you know intimately, and those who are acquaintances, family and neighbors, familiar and unfamiliar. The word know here literally means to possess information or a deep understanding about someone or something. This is a, this is a term that animates intimacy, intimacy, to know somebody deeply and intimately. That every person we come into contact with in person or online or on your social media platforms would be wooed by Holy Spirit and drawn into a right relationship with our King Jesus because we have been with him. Because we understand his love for us. Because of the way we lay down ourselves for one another as well. So let me be clear here. If you and I are not growing in the love that Jesus has for us, if I'm not growing in my understanding and in awe of his grace and his kindness and his mercy and his joy and his peace that he has, if I'm not growing in that, it will become incredibly cumbersome for us to carry out this beautiful privilege and command. It becomes difficult to do. I would say almost impossible It becomes a have to. I have to do this. It can become a a, a religious exercise, an obligation, rather than a get to. I am overjoyed to do this. So what does it look like? So what does it look? How do I cultivate this? How do I grow in my knowledge and my understanding, immerse myself in this? What does that look like to immerse ourselves in his love? So I say this, it's probably not the best visual, but how to drown <laughs> three liturgies of immersion or, 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 uh, if you will, rituals or rhythms. These are daily or weekly or monthly, uh, rhythms. They morph us. They shape us. We are constantly being shaped and morphed. Okay. Three, very quickly prayer three times a day, prayer three times a day. I would, I would recommend when you wake up, afternoon and before you go to bed. Now, prayer can look like a lot of different things in one sense. It can be simply silence. It can be, uh, 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 maybe there's a a couple of phrases or scripture verses that you want to pray over and pray through and then you're trying to memorize. Maybe it could be just very conversational and back and forth, but, and it doesn't need to be 50 minutes. It can if you want, could be five minutes or a minute or some, some days it's different for me. If my kids wake up way too early, which happens a lot of times, sometimes it's a 30 seconds or a minute with my kids. Sometimes it's by myself and it's like five or six minutes. Okay. But prayer three times a day, wake up afternoon, bedtime fast. The second one fast one meal a week 
or 24 hours uh, in a month. Okay, and now, again, I'm just giving some quick parameters. There's lots of different books on fasting. I would say it's an abstinence or abstaining from sustenance, from food, okay? That we lean into this cultural moment and we are grieved by what we see in our world. And we can only but say, I have to abstain from this so I can be fed even more by my, my God, by Spirit, Holy Spirit. Time in focused, intentional witness, spending time with Jesus so that you can witness his love to the world. And then uh, this is an interesting one as well. Tithe intentionally and regularly with cheer. I would give, I would put it under the, uh, one of the best ways that can help cultivate a generous life, a generous life. It, it's really true. Whatever I love gets my time and my resources. It's really true. And what's so amazing is the command that's given in Malachi 3 and the, uh, the, the fact that Jesus talks so much about money over a quarter of the time of his teachings and parables. It, it, it's true that, that um, and we look at all that and there's no real, we don't, I mean, he could have said, I need 50%, right? I mean, there's really, just, it's a small portion of saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give back to God what is, is his, a portion of that and do it in rhythm of generosity, in regular, a regular basis. Uh, the rhythm of generosity realigns my heart with the heart of God which positions me to experience his extravagant love for me. I've experienced his extravagant love for me in the midst of generosity, sacrificial giving. He's demonstrated how he loves me, how he takes care of me and my family. So that, that could also be, uh, there's regular special projects that uh, your pastors want to put toward, money towards. So there's maybe special projects. Maybe it's begin giving to missions and say, you know what? I've never done it consistently. I'm going to do, I'm going to do 10 bucks a month to, to give to our missionaries who are going all over the world and demonstrating the love of Jesus everywhere. Take on the command and challenge. Test, test our God, Father God. And challenge and, and test him in this challenge and this command and monthly say, I'm going to put away a tithe or even 5%. Just start somewhere. Start somewhere. So backing up a little bit, immediately after the question was posed to me by this 17, 16, 17, 18 year old teenager, does Jesus love a person like me? I looked away and I had the same question fire off in my thinking about myself right before I, I responded. I commend this teenager because he was brave enough to ask it out loud in a crowded room filled with his peers in a, in a place that he's never been. It might as well have been a foreign country. And if I'm honest... The question continues to fire across my mind every once in a while. Jesus, do you really, do you really love me? Here's the truth. Here's the truth. The path to loving people deeply and loving Jesus more is to become more aware of his love for me. 
as I've held each one of my children in my arms from birth onwards, both my boys this morning, pressed for time to get here, asked if they can crawl up in my dad chair together and snuggle. It's the best. As I've held my children, one of the several things I pray over them is this. Jesus, may they know how deeply loved they are by you. Because when we know that, then we walk it out. Only then can we walk it out by his power, by his authority, by his strength. I'm going to have Kit and um, Summer come on up uh, real quick. They're going to play just a little bit in the background. We've got a little bit of time, uh, just for a few minutes. So kind of get ready uh, as they kind of come to get ready. I want us, I want to challenge us for just a moment to reflect. Let's reflect, examine your thoughts, examine your heart. Is there something pushing against the authority of Jesus? Who he says he is? Are you struggling with the command to love the way that he has demonstrated? Or maybe there's a hang up with your awareness of his love for you. Maybe there's fear, anxiety. Maybe there's some, some things that have distracted you. There's a ton of voices in our culture that are, are vying for our attention. As your awareness maybe waned slightly or maybe a lot. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you in the next few minutes, just, just close your eyes if you want. You don't have to. Take out your phone. Maybe you got a, a pen and a pad of paper and just write down your observations and reflections. Maybe it's now. Maybe it's later. Maybe you don't want to do it now. Maybe you want to do it later. That's okay too. But write down some of the things that you're thinking as we've poured through these few scripture verses and read it on your own as well. And then um, Rhonda's going to come on up in a couple of minutes and, and close us out. So. Love you guys.
not a wonderful Sunday. If you missed it, we had a Kingdom Builders banquet. This whole place was full of tables, and they were decorated, and we had a full house here, and it was amazing. We got to hear from a lot of our missionaries. Got to hear from a lot of our missionaries. There was probably at least eight, eight or ten. We got to hear from some in person. Becca, thank you. That was wonderful, Becca. We bless you. And then videos of some of our missionaries. And what a blessing that was. So if you filled out your pledge card last week, thank you. We thank you for that. If you still are praying about it, praying to God how much you can give to missions each month accept them anytime. You can come and put them in the box or you can give them to an usher or um, next Sunday if you're still praying about it, you can give them to us at any time. But at this time, we are going to watch a video with Kenton Moody, one of our missionaries. And so as we watch that, we have our Kingdom Builders box here. You can just come up and put your offering for Kingdom Builders that goes to our missionary. We support so many missionaries. And We are not called sitting here to be missionaries, but we can give to help missionaries. And it is such a blessing just for me personally when I can give monthly to those who are overseas, who are places that I just can't even imagine what they go through. And if it wasn't for the Lord our Savior, they wouldn't be there. But they are are taking their, their oath to be a missionary to spread to the world. So as we watch this this um, video with Kenton, you are free to come up, um, leave, or you can go and use the, key, the QR code, or you can text Kingdom plus a dollar amount to 84321. So with that, we'll watch with um, Kenton. So enjoy this video. Assembly from Kenton Moody. My wife Eunice and I are Assembly of God missionaries here in Santa Ana, El Salvador. And we're part of our Kingdom Builders. And we're your hands extended to Santa Ana, to the Hosanna School, and many other projects. I've said it many times, if I had to start all over again, I would start by, uh, as a missionary, by starting the school. Because we have these children five hours a day. And we're able to invest in their lives, invest in the lives of their families as well. And we're seeing amazing transformation. We have 355 students here at the Hosanna School. And all of them on scholarship. They come from a very needy area. And God has blessed us. This is the kindergarten. It's headed out now. They leave at 1130 in the morning. And uh, we praise God for all that he's doing here at the Hosanna School. Bring your greeting also to New Life and Kingdom Builders from uh, the Center of Hope. And here we have our cooking class right now. We have cooking, we have baking, and then we have also cake making. And uh, these are classes that are full that people are learning how to uh, uh, have a future for a job. And this is simply one of the things that you're supporting here. We also have music classes. We have Taekwondo and we have cell phones that are here in the center of hope. This is located at our church. Our school is about a kilometer from here or uh, half a mile from here. And then also our Living Free Program is posted here. And this is simply one of the things that we're doing to try to help the community. And we thank you for your support.
So once again, I want to thank Sean. Thank you for the great word you gave to us, and thank you for being here the last minute. So can we give him a hand? Thank you, Sean. And as we leave today, let's all stand up. Let's, as we leave today, let's do some of the challenges that he gave us. But as we leave these doors today, let's think of someone that we can show love to out in our community. Not right here in our church, but out in our community. So I know you can think of one person. Maybe it's just make a phone call. Just someone you are running to at the grocery store. Just as you're out this week, show the love of Jesus to someone. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for Sean, and we thank you for this family here that we could all pull together. We ask for your continued blessing on the Wagner family, Lord Jesus, as they heal, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We ask you to bless our week and bless our afternoon as we leave here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.